Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. As we start, or actually we're finishing this series, this uh, Quest Summer Story series, which is sad. Summer is over, but I have the privilege today to, to talk about one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's kind of this, it's a small little blip of a story, but it's so profound and it's really important. And it's also fun in all the different ways that it connects to, um, it's found in the Old Testament, but then there's these New Testament connections, which really makes it fun to study and, and learn about. And so we're going to be talking briefly about this story. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it too, is that it's so closely tied to our mission here at Quest. You you probably saw on the way uh, into the auditorium where it says relationships are the mission. And I I love that mission statement. I think it's fantastic, but I also know that it's vague and it can be misunderstood and and maybe hard to to figure out how you can participate in that mission of relationships. And, And so today when we talk about this, this is really what we're saying. What we're ultimately saying is that in our faith community, and I, I consider any of you who, who are a part of Quest, you've been, you've been um, coming here faithfully and, and serving and helping, you are a part of the family of Quest, and, and we love to be in relationship with you. And, and we, we love it because we know, and when I say we, I'm talking about me and the staff, and uh, we know that life can be really difficult. And whenever hard times come, whenever difficulty comes, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's um, a financial something or other, maybe it's a loss of a job, whenever difficult times come, questions pop up for us. Questions about faith, about whether God is there with us, if, if um, he would allow something like this to happen. And it's important to have people to walk alongside you as you're, as you're processing through those questions of faith. And uh, so it's important to have these relationships, to, to build them and to grow them. But it's also important for us as followers of Christ to go out into the world and make relationships. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. And, and so if you have your Bible, I, I want to encourage you to open up to, to Genesis chapter 18. We're going to be there primarily for, for the most of the morning. We'll skip around a little bit some, um, but we're going we're gonna to read this story about Abraham. And uh, this is, this is a, a, a meeting that he had with three strangers. And we don't know this, like, well, I'm sorry, uh, Abraham doesn't know that he's actually meeting with the Lord at this moment, uh, but we have a glimpse of this. And so he, he's going to meet with the Lord. But this, this comes in his life right on the heels of a time when he made a covenant with God, a covenant that he would be the father of many nations. And, and this also comes right before, a year before he is um, going to be a father to his son Isaac. And, and so this is where we're picking up this text. Genesis 18, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8 here for a moment, and then we'll pick up some more later. Um, this, is, this is an interesting story, though. So let me read this for us. Uh, Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of the Mamre, and while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day, when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Verse 5, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, 
So do as you have said. And so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Now I'm going to just stop for a second here. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you um, to underline that little verse right there, verse 6, where it says, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour and knead it and make bread cakes. It's really, um, it's it's kind of an important piece of this. It doesn't seem like it might be important, but it really is. Okay, so just underline that. We'll, We'll get back to it in a minute. Verse 7, Abraham also ran to the herd, and he took a tender choice calf, and he gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. Verse 8, he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared, and he placed it before them, and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Now, this text doesn't use the word redeem, but that's ultimately what this is about. This, this story is about the word redemption, which biblically, redemption means to, 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 to save, to bring back in, to, to, to restore back into the family. And, and uh, this, is, this is a really important concept for us to understand. Any, any person who was listening to this story, a, a Jewish person, would understand the, the cultural context of what's being said, of what Abraham is doing with these three strangers, that he's going going out to them, and he's bringing them into this place. And, and there's a concept uh, that, that we may not be aware of. Um, I, I've heard it said in the past that um, you should never ask a man where they're from, because if, if he's from Texas, then he'll be sure to tell you. And if they're not from Texas, then you don't want to embarrass them. And, uh, and so... I just want you guys to know I'm from Texas, and uh, that's where I was born and raised. Um, but, you know, being from Texas, like growing up in Dallas in the 80s and 90s, there's certain things that I understand about my life that you probably have no idea about, like things that were just part of my cultural context and, and upbringing. And, and I'm sure that you've got those too. In fact, now that, that um, my family lives here in Columbus, Ohio, I love Columbus. I love this city so much. It's, it's wonderful. Um, like my kids are going to grow up knowing that the Buckeyes are the greatest football team in all of the asterisk Big Ten. I put asterisk there because no competition for the Big 12. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want any enemies. We have paintball, so you can get me back for that. Um, no, no, like these are, these are things that we grow up knowing. Like, like we, just, we just understand. They're, they're implicit. But someone from another place doesn't know this. And, and for, for Middle Easterners, for, for the Jewish context, there was this concept that they understood when they heard this story about Abraham going out to these people and feeding, feeding them, they understood a concept known as Beth Ab. Beth Ab, say that with me. Beth Ab. That's, you did much better than the 915 service. They were like, Beth home. Beth home. Let's, I want to, let's just do it. Let's, as loud as you can, just to prove to them online that, that we are better than the 915 service. Say it with me, Beth Ob. Man! You guys rock. Okay, so Beth Ob, let's talk about this for a minute. What that means is it's, it's Hebrew for, for the, the words, it's a house of the father, the father's house. And, and you've probably heard this concept in scripture before. Um, when, we, when we read in the New Testament about the prodigal son, that's really about Beth Ob. It's about the father going out and bringing the son back into his house. And in John 14, Jesus talks about, my father has a house with many rooms and I'm prepared one for you, right? The, the story of Ruth and Boaz is all about Beth Ob. It, it's about this, this place where the entire family resides. And if, and if someone leaves that family, if someone leaves the house of the father, for some reason, maybe they get into trouble like the prodigal son. Maybe they, maybe they get mad at their father and they decide, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to go do my own thing. 
what the father would do, and this is where redemption really comes into it, what the father would do is he would use all of his resources to go out and bring that person back, that family member back into the Beth Ab. It was this, this using every bit of resources to bring them back. So if, if, a, if a nephew, for instance, we're going to read about this in a moment, leaves the Beth Ab, the father, the eldest son in that family, the person, the patriarch of the family, would go and, and they, would, they would bring them back in. It was, the Beth Ab is also a great place because um, if you were in the Beth Ab, you had provision, you had care, you had protection, you had all of your needs met by the father. Every bit of the family's resources were controlled by the father and he would extend all of those resources to make sure that everyone in the family was cared for. And it was also a place where, like, when we think about growing up, we, all, we think about moving out of our parents' house, right? Like, oh, we can't wait to get out and be on our own. Well, in the, in the Middle Eastern context, there was much more of a sense of coming in, of, of joining the Beth Ab. Um, the, the, the patriarch, uh, his brothers, his younger brothers, when they got married, their wives would move in. They would bring these families. So there would be this big family living in this place in the father's house together. It was a family of of cousins and nephews and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and and it would just expand and expand and 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 the the resources whenever the patriarch got old and his life was was kind of going away, he would pass on his resources to his eldest son. He would pass them on, and the family would cheer and celebrate whenever he got those resources, whenever the eldest son got those resources because they knew that the eldest son was going to provide for them and interesting side note. When someone was brought back into the family, whenever they were restored back in from being outside, they would throw a party. They would have this giant celebration to, to, to signify the fact that the family has been restored. This is a concept we find all throughout Scripture. Okay. So Abraham, as he is in this moment, he's, he's meeting with these strangers and he's providing for them. And, and, and these, these strangers are actually on a journey. And we read about this in the following text, uh, Genesis 18. And, and they're on a, on a journey to go down to Sodom. And, and they, the, Abraham, at this point, he's, he's had this conversation with, with the three strangers. And one of them mentions that he understands Sarah's position. And he goes, this is the Lord. And so he's meet, he knows that he's meeting with God at this point. And, and they have this conversation about where they're going to go. Let's, let's read this text together. So we're going to be in verses 22 through 33 of Genesis 18. It says, The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. And then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it for you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will you not judge all of the earth and do right? Verse 26, the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than the 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, the Lord said, 
I will not destroy it. And this conversation, it goes on and on until Abraham is down to 10 people. Lord, will you destroy the city if there's only 10 people who are found righteous? Will you, will you destroy them with the wicked? And, and, and in this moment, Abraham, he's pleading with God. He's actually praying to God that God would be merciful to all of the people there on the count of the righteous. And see, what's happening in this moment is Lot, his family, his nephew, has gone down to Sodom. And he's living with his family in Sodom. And Abraham is trying to protect his nephew from being destroyed. Before this, when in, in, in an earlier chapter in Genesis, Abraham and Lot chose to go different ways because their herds were getting so massive and, and they, were, they were essentially competing for resources. And so Abraham said, I'm going to go this way. And Lot said, well, I'm going to go this way. And so their families are separated. So now Lot is outside of the Beth Ab. He's down in Sodom. And Abraham, in this moment, as he's sitting there before God, is using every one of his last resources to protect his nephew. And this is precisely what the people of Israel and the church of today is called to do. We are called to use our resources to bring people back into the family, to bring people back into the Father's house. It's this this interesting moment where, where Abraham has this connection with God and he's praying on behalf. Now, now I want to I go back to verse 6 that I had you underline a minute ago. And so it reads this way. It says, so Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah and said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. Now, I wanted you to underline this because there's a reference to this in the New Testament. In one of Jesus' sermons, he's teaching all of these different parables to his followers. And he gets to this moment. And this is found both Matthew and in Luke. We're going to read the Matthew version. It's in chapter 13. If you want to turn there, you can. It's verse 33. But, but it reads like this. It says, it says that he told them, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took. And mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So Jesus is saying this on the heels of this other parable known as the wheat and the weeds. What happens in that parable is there's a farmer that sows his wheat into a field. And as it's starting to grow up one night, an evil person comes and sows, sows weeds among the wheat. And they start to grow up together. And, and all the laborers who are, who are busy tending to the field, they come to the farmer and, and, and they say to the farmer, they say, let's just take out all of the weeds. Let's get rid of all of the weeds. And the farmer says, no, no, we can't do that because we might lose some of the wheat if we take out all of the weeds. So we're going to let them all grow up together. Sounds interestingly familiar to what Abraham was praying to God. That there's righteous and the wicked, but spare them. Don't take down the wicked because there's the righteous there. Don't cut out the weeds because you might also kill some of the wheat. Right? It's it's a similar thing. And, and, And it's interesting because... Ultimately, what's happening is as Jesus is teaching this parable of the leaven, of the yeast, people are brought back. The the faithful Jewish people would have been brought right back to Abraham and to Sarah, to the covenant that God made with them. Their minds would have been drawn right back to that place where where Abraham had met with these three people. He had gone out and, and he had helped them. And then he had Sarah use all of this beautiful flour to make bread cakes because Jesus wants his, his hearers to understand 
that Bethob, that restoring people to Bethob is critically important. He wants them to remember how good Abraham was at praying for the righteous, that God would be merciful so that, so that they wouldn't lose their lives among the wicked. But here's the other thing that's so wonderful, is that he wants the people to remember that Abraham was also a resident alien. That's a person who was living his life. He was a nomad. He was living his life among people who were not followers of God, but as a righteous man, just as he was called to do, to be a blessing to all of the nations, not just to the chosen ones, but to all of the nations, that living a righteous life would have an impact on the people around him. The reason that Abraham is praying for for Lot to be rescued is that he believed even 10 righteous people could have an impact on all of the wicked people. Church, that's the same call that we have. To be resident aliens, to live our lives in such a way that they see the good deeds, that they see what we're doing, and they're drawn to us. Now, here's the interesting thing about this parable that Jesus is teaching, the the parable of the the yeast. Anyone who's listening to it, while they would be drawn to Abraham, they would be wondering about yeast. Why is is Jesus talking about this? Now, I've, I've worked with yeast. I don't know how many of you guys have worked with yeast. Probably baking bread. Some of you, I'm sure, brewing beer. I don't know. I've used it. Yeast is an interesting thing because it, it's the, that, that catalyzer for the chemical reaction that happens inside of, these, inside of these things. Like when it goes into the dough, it mixes with the sugars and it starts to, to burst and pop and bubble and heave. And, and it's a really violent thing what happens. In, in liquids, the sugars create carbon dioxide, which is this really violent thing that's, that's uh, bubbling up inside of it. And it's interesting because yeast, you, you don't see the process happening, but you see the results of it. So yeast, in, in some ways, is, is both seen and unseen, right? You, 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 you don't know that the chemical reaction is happening. We can't see it with our own eyes, but we see the results of it. We see the impact of it. In the same way, when we go before the Father, when Abraham went before the Father, and he was pleading for God to be merciful. There's this unseen thing that's happening in the kingdom. When we go before the Father, when we kneel before him, and we pray for the people that are in our lives, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, when we pray for them, there's something that's happening. You see, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, right? There's this awesome thing that happens in the unseen world. But the great news is, is that as people's hearts are drawn to God because of those prayers, it becomes a visible and tangible thing. There's this little blurb in Acts chapter 17 that that refers to this, and I think it's wonderful. Let Let me find this real quickly. It's, it's Acts 17, 6, uh, and I don't have this um, on the screen, uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. Let me see if I can. Sorry, I lost my place in here, and now I don't know. I just have to actually look it up in my Bible. You guys don't know this, but I have my entire manuscript in here, and so, um, but I make it look like I'm reading the Bible. It's just a, it's all an act. <laughs> here it is. Acts 17, 6, it says, it says, These men who turned the world upside down have come here also. 
and Jason has received them, and they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that, that there is another king, Jesus. Like, the lives of these men, these missionaries, and they came into Thessalonica. Whenever they came in, they were turning the world upside down because of the way that they were living and the things that they were saying and, and, and all of the lives that were being transformed in the name of Jesus. And these people who, who didn't want their worlds to change said, we've got to do something about this. See, here's the thing. Whenever the kingdom of God comes into a community, it disrupts it in the most beautiful of ways. It changes the world around. And we have the privilege of partnering with God to disrupt our communities in the most beautiful of ways. That's the seen piece of this. It's the fun part of it. And that's really what we're called to. This is our mission. I, I, I love when I, when I think about just the things that, that um, I've been just preparing in this. I was thinking about the different people who, who've been used, that, that God has used to, to transform lives. People like Abraham and Sarah use them to transform many nations. He uses preachers and he uses teachers like Paul and James to transform communities and lives. He uses missionaries and evangelists, right? Like Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. He, he, he uses everyday people like you and me to reach those in our lives who are outside of the Beth Ab, but that's what we're called to. And this is the mission of Quest. To to be in a relationship with people, to to sit in a circle with others and talk about the stories of our lives, how Jesus has changed us, how Jesus has blessed us. And when we do that, we get to be a blessing to the people around us. And and I understand that this is possibly the most messy and inefficient way to do kingdom work. But I, I believe it's what we're called to, and it's so much fun. It's exciting, and I'm excited about it. So I, I hope that you've recognized a little bit of the tension here. Yeast, yeast is, is seen and unseen. Abraham was praying for his family and for his enemy. In this, in this parable of the wheat and weeds, there's kind of this, this mixture of both and at the same time. And, and, and I want to say that Jesus is okay with his tension, uh, even if we are not. Even if, if we're not okay with it, Jesus is okay with it. See, he teaches in Matthew 5 that we are to be salt and light, that we, we are to be a city on the hill, that, that our lives are going to proclaim Christ with how we live. But then in, in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us that we should not practice our righteous deeds before other men. There's this tension of, of doing it in private, but also doing it in public. And we, we have to learn how to be yeast and leaven in this world, how we have to, to manage the seen and the unseen in the world. He's teaching us that we have very, very powerful lives because of the work that he's doing in us. And we can make an impact. Today, we're going to close by receiving communion. And I, I love, I love this, this reminder of who we are and how we got here. In fact, I don't, I don't know if there's a better example of what it means to be a part of the Beth Ab. As followers of Jesus because of what Christ did on the cross, by, by shedding his blood and by breaking his body, he allows us to come back into the family, to come back into the Beth Ab to be restored. And we're going to celebrate that today. And so what I want you to do today as you come down is, is to, to remember what Christ did for you, the grace and the mercy that you received as you take that, that bread and as you dip it in the wine and, and you receive it. Remember 
that God used all of his resources in order to bring you back in. But then as you go back up to your seats, to also remember that he's partnering with you, that you are partnering with God to go back out into the world, to create relationships, and to help bring other people back into God's family through the way that we pray and the way that we live. So let me pray for us. And as you come, I, I, just, I want you to celebrate your place in the family as a child of God, redeemed. Celebrate that and know that you get to go and help others come back in to this family. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful for your grace and mercy. Thankful that we can approach your throne, that we have a place in your council where we can come and we, in the invisible places, that, that we can pray and we can intercede and we can meet with you and you listen to us. So Lord, I pray that we would take as many of those moments as we can to meet with you. But Lord, we also thank you that you invite us into this mission with you, that we can partner with you, that we can go out and live our lives in such a way that, that people are drawn to you, that people ask questions about what's happened in our lives, what's the, the thing that has changed in our lives so that they can hear more about you. God, I pray, I pray that you would continue to do a mighty work of transformation in us. As we come today to this table, may we thank you for giving us your son, for allowing him to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can fully repent and join your family and join the celebration of restoration happening in your Beth, Ab. God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We pray these things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So come and receive communion. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.